Good morning. My name is Justin. I'm one of the pastors here at Hilton Head Island Community Church, and I have the privilege this morning of continuing us on in our series, United, where we're really digging into what happens when the church prays. What happens when the church prays? Pastor Todd started us out a couple of weeks ago when he really gave us this foundational truth that because of what Jesus did on the cross, we have full access to God, right? And then our partner from Atlanta, Clint Trebesh, if you were here last week, he came in and he shared with us, okay, if we have full access to God, then we should pray boldly. If we have the ability to come before God, we should pray boldly. And in part of his message, Clint actually asked a couple of other questions that he didn't really get as much time to dig into. And what those questions were, were this, if we're gonna pray boldly, do we really believe God's gonna answer? Do we really believe that God cares? Because ultimately what Clint was getting at is that our ability to come before God and to pray boldly to him is connected to whether or not we believe that he does care and that he is gonna answer and that prayer has the power to do something. Right, ultimately, he was getting at whether or not we think prayer changes anything. And I think this morning, uh, we can come in with a couple of different perspectives on this. And I, I wanna ask you to bear with me, whether you might be someone walking in this morning, you came with a family member or a friend, and you're pretty skeptical about the power of prayer. You might even be pretty skeptical about God in general. Or you might be on the other side of the spectrum. You might be somebody walking in here this morning and you've got the throw pillow at home on the couch with, you know, life is fragile, handle with prayer embroidered on it. So whatever end of the spectrum you're coming in on this morning, though, I want to ask you to bear with me. Because we might think one way or another that this question is pretty quick to answer. You know, what is the power of prayer? But this morning, I think what we're going to see is that there might be a little bit more to it than you think. And so we want to dig into that and see kind of what are the theological and practical implications for our lives about prayer, right? In fact, when it, when it comes to prayer, I would say there's really not a whole lot more foundational to our relationship with God, right? When we talk about relationships, all of us have seen or been in enough dysfunctional relationships to know that if there's a problem in a relationship, usually there's a problem in communication, Right? And if there is no communication, there's no relationship, or at least there won't be after too long. Right? And so this, this morning, prayer is something really important for us to think about and to wrestle with some of the practical things of what does it look like. Right? But there's also some theological things that we're going to have to get our heads around. Right? Our view on prayer really is determined by what we think about God and what our view of him is. And vice versa, the habits of prayer that we develop are, are going to eventually affect how we see God. And so it's really important that we think about these things and develop our answer to these questions of do we really believe when we pray that God answers? Do we really believe that he cares? And can prayer actually change anything? So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, but before we do that, I do want to ask that we would take a moment and pray, not because this is a series on prayer and we got to pray to start every message, but we're going to wrestle with some pretty interesting things this morning. And you guys don't need to hear my opinion on it. We need to hear 
what God has to say about it. Uh, and I want it to be clear, and I want to invite God in to share with us this morning. And so if you would, just pray with me for a moment. Father, I do just pray this morning that you would open up your word to us, God, that you would speak clearly to us, God, not just so that we get better at prayer, God, but so that we know you better. Lord, I pray this morning that you would present yourself clearly, Lord, that you would draw us closer to you. Father, you would help our relationships with you to grow, to flourish, to take their next step, God, and this morning that we would all be encouraged to take a step forward in our prayer and our understanding of you, Lord. So please just show up, speak your word to us this morning, guide us with your spirit, God. We need you. We just invite you into this time this morning to guide our hearts and minds and to change us to be more like you, Lord. We love you. We thank you so much for everything. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So when, uh, when I was growing up, there were these things that I remember I was always like excited about getting to learn how to do and kind of take that next step. So right, one of those things that probably most of us have experienced was right when you get ready to get to drive and you're looking forward to finally getting behind the wheel and driving a little bit. Right, for me though, I had some other things like that too. Like I was excited about getting out in the yard and getting to you know, use the riding lawnmower or get, get to use the chainsaw, kind of get to be out there with my grandfather and do kind of those you know, big grown-up things and show that I could get out there and do it. Uh, I don't know why I was excited about those things. Uh, you know, a couple weeks after and it became my chore that I had to do, there was a lot less excitement there. But at one point, right, I was excited about getting to do those things. And I remember that one of those things that I was excited about getting to use was actually the pressure washer, right? So now the pressure washer didn't come out quite as often as the lawnmower or the chainsaw, but we had this big back deck in our house. It was two stories. And, you know, usually like every, every couple of years or so, the pressure washer would come out for something, you know, and a lot of times it was, it was to come out and to pressure wash the deck, right? And so when you're a uh, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old, however old I was, kind of around that time, right? The pressure washer, I mean, that's basically just a giant super-powered squirt gun. So I was, I was really looking forward to getting used. And, you know, I had plans to see, like, can I shoot over the house with this thing? Like, how far away can I torment my grandmother from? Right? There, there were some plans going on in my little, you know, preteen mind here. Now, thankfully, my grandfather... He, you know, he had some experience with me, and so he knew when it finally was time for me to maybe get behind it and that I was responsible enough to give it a try, he knew to sit down and to talk me through it, right, and to make me understand the power behind it and that it wasn't something to just play around with, right? And I remember, like, vividly, my grandfather actually, you know, showing me how to go back and forth on the deck and that if you kind of lingered in one spot too long, the pressure washer would actually start to cut into the wood on the deck, Right, and so I'm thankful that I got those lessons from my grandfather, because I've seen throughout the years some other times where I, I think maybe people had these lessons, but they didn't abide by it so much. I actually remember when we lived in Knoxville several years ago, we had a friend there who was out pressure washing her driveway and flip-flops. Bad idea right there. You can imagine while she was pressure washing the driveway just right across the toes. It was not pretty. Right, and Pastor Todd, when we were talking about this message, he, uh, he actually admitted to me that he had his own little pressure washer incident with his hand not long after he moved here, right? Somebody should have sat him down and told him how you use it, <laughs> right? I'm thankful that I had my grandfather to walk me through that and to make me understand that the pressure washer's power wasn't something to play with, right? I'm thankful for that 
Because here's the thing, right? When we know the power behind something, it informs how we use it, right? When we know that the power, or what something, wow, I can't talk. When we know how much power something has, right, that influences how we're going to use it, right? We're not going to use something that's too powerful on a job that doesn't require it. In the same way, we're not going to use something that doesn't have enough power for what we need. We're not going to try to cut down a tree with scissors, right? So how much power something has informs how we use it. And so this morning as we talk about, you know, does God really care? Is he going to answer our prayers? Really what we're getting at is what's the power behind prayer? What kind of power does prayer have? In other words, we could ask it like this. Is prayer pointless or is it powerful? Is there really not a whole lot to this? Does it make a difference in the grand scheme of kind of what's going on in the universe You know, our thoughts and prayers kind of just a nice thing that we say that ultimately don't make a lot of difference, right? Or does prayer really have power behind it? And if we start to think about it, all of us probably come in this morning with with a different view on it or some different thoughts on it. You know, our opinion might be influenced by our theology and kind of what we've learned in church or uh, from our own study of the Bible. It might be influenced by our experience, You know, you might have had a season in your life or a moment that you can remember where you prayed for something specific and God showed up and answered it in a way that it it seems impossible that it could have just been a coincidence, right? Or you might have prayed for 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 something for a loved one and it didn't turn out the way that you wanted it to, right? And those kind of experiences can influence what we think about prayer and what kind of power it has. And so when we come in this morning, we can have a variety of different thoughts on this and, and reactions to it, and perhaps even some strong reactions. You know, you might be on the side that you walk in this morning and you, you basically think prayer is pointless. You know, maybe you did show up with a family member or a friend and you're kind of just here this morning and you're, you're skeptical whether there's a God at all or if there is that he cares anything at all about what's going on in your life or anybody else's for that matter. Or the reality is, You might not be walking in here for for the first time this morning. You may have been here week after week after week, and you might still think prayer is pointless. You may not want to admit it, and you might not want to show it, but the reality is is that there's a lot of Christians that know about the power of prayer. But if they really are honest and really dig into it, they're not sure how much they really believe that it changes, and their prayer lives show it. Right? We can walk in this morning with a variety of reactions. You know, maybe we're in that camp because we've had a big prayer that went unanswered or too many prayers that seemed like they went unanswered or we didn't get the answer that we wanted. Or we might be walking in this morning with a view of God that we think he's sovereign and he's in control of the universe and he's kind of going to just do whatever he wants to do. And so I don't know that my prayers are really going to change a whole lot. Right? Or you could just be walking in this morning. I think this is a particular danger for us here. And we're just so busy and so used to being independent in everything in our lives that our first reaction to get what we need is to provide for ourselves and to go out and to make it happen and to do it and not to turn to God and to ask him. And so in all those ways, kind of whatever it is, ultimately we could have that perspective that prayer is, is basically pointless. Or we could be on the other side. We could be the throw pillow grandmother I mentioned earlier. No offense if that's you. That's great. Right? You could walk in and you could be absolutely convinced that prayer is powerful. 
right? You're asking God for things. You're expecting him to show up. You're praying for the big things. You're praying for your football team to win, right? Apparently, Alabama and Clemson have the best prayers. It's really frustrating, especially if you're a Tennessee fan, and they keep it exciting until about 12.30 at night with 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter just to fall apart, right? But we could be walking in. We could be praying for everything, and we, we expect God to show up, and we think prayer has all the power, right? In reality, there's a lot of room between those two perspectives, and we could be coming in in a variety of places uh, on what we think about prayer. Ultimately, though, what we want to do is we want to base our understanding of prayer in what God says about it, right? We want to see what does Scripture tell us about prayer. And so we're going to look at a few different passages this morning to see what God wants us to know about the power of prayer. And as we do that, as we kind of look in Scripture, we're going to see some things that we've got to wrestle with today. You know, one of the things that I want us to know this morning is it's, it's simply a reality that because of who God is and because of who we are as his creation, there's going to be things that we don't understand, right? His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And we are not going to be able to get our head around everything about him, right? What that, what that means is that as we kind of come to scripture and we look at what God has to say about prayer or really anything else for that matter, sometimes we're going to come across different truths, Things that scripture puts forward as true, but to us, we struggle with it because it says this is true and that is true, but to us in our minds, it's, they don't seem to fit together or they even seem to kind of contradict one another. And what happens is that when we come across an issue like that and when we kind of identify that tension in scripture around God's truth, we tend to want to relieve the tension. We don't want to exist in this realm where our mind is struggling to kind of grasp two competing things. And so most of the time what happens is we relieve the tension. We lean one way or the other. We kind of figure out how to justify some different opinions. And we we end up kind of on one side or the other. And we let go of the tension. I had a seminary professor, though, that said this. He said, orthodoxy, right, the right way of thinking and, and kind of practicing Christianity, right, holds several vital truths in tension. Heresy, the wrong way, is when you relieve the tension, right? When we don't want to try to get our minds around God or just exist in this this area where we admit that there's things that we don't know, right? We tend to get in trouble and we relieve the tension, and that's why we get extreme views on everything in the Christian faith, including prayer, right? I think there would be a whole lot less denominations, if there were more people willing to hold the tension, right? And so when we look at prayer this morning, we're going to have some extreme views. And the the reason is this, the tension in prayer is the tension between God's sovereignty and his gift of freedom and relationship to us. There's a tension between God's sovereignty, his omniscience, his immutability, these kind of big theological words, right? And the fact that he's given us these gifts of a dynamic personal relationship and freedom and and what scripture seems to present as a power to prayer, right? In other words, you could put it like this, right? If God knows everything and he controls everything and he doesn't make mistakes and he's he's unchanging, then kind of what's the point of our prayers, 
right? What can our prayers really do with a God that knows everything and controls everything and he's got it all under control? Does he really need us? Like, is, is there really anything going on when we pray? And what happens is if we end up too far on one side of it, God can end up seeming cold and distant and kind of far away, right? And like, he doesn't really care that much about us, almost robotic, right? And whatever we pray doesn't really matter because God's gonna do what he's gonna do. But on the other side, right, we can end up too much this way where we start to think God's kind of at our beck and call, right? Prayer's powerful and God can, you know, whatever we need, we just show up, we ask God for it and he's gonna show up and we're gonna get it, right? We expect to see him act for us when we pray because our prayer has power, right? And what we wanna do this morning is we wanna avoid going off in either direction. We wanna see what does scripture have to show us about these truths that we wanna hold in tension, so we're going to take a look at these verses. So if you uh, want to open up your Bible or these verses will be on the screen, we're going to look at Psalm 139, verse 16 first. So if you want to follow along with me, Psalm 139 says this. It says, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. In other words, before we were even born, God knew and had planned every day of our lives. All right, so I want you to think about that for a second and then look with me at, at Numbers 23, verse 19. Moses is writing, he says this, he says, God is not man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? Right, when we read verses like Psalm 139 and Numbers 23, it seems pretty clear to me, right? God's purposes have been set before the foundation of the world and he set it and he's not gonna change it, right? It is what it is. He's not like us. He never learns anything new. He doesn't have to correct his mistakes. He doesn't wise up with experience and kind of learn how to do things a little bit better. He doesn't change his mind. In other words, I think one of the truths that we find in scripture is this, God's purposes are unchanging. God's purposes are unchanging. In fact, the prophet Isaiah says, says it like this. He says, I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. You see, if these things are true and everything's been set in motion by an all-knowing, all-powerful God, down to the very details of our lives, think about how incredible that is that God says the days of our lives are like pages in a book that are already written, right? And if, those, if that's true, then it's worth asking the question, all right, what do, what do our prayers have to do with this? Do they really change anything with those truths that we just saw, right? It's clear that God's purposes are unchanging, but I want you to keep looking with me and keep in mind that sometimes in scripture, we're going to find different truths that we've got to hold in tension. And so I think we're going to see another truth that we have to, to hold this morning. And so we're going to take a look at Exodus 32, all right? Exodus 32 comes right after the Israelites just 
uh, made their exodus out of Egypt, right? Moses led them out. They saw God's power. They saw his promises. They saw the plagues that he uh, brought upon Egypt to free them. And we're talking about this is weeks afterwards, right? They've just seen these incredible, miraculous things. And they've made their way out into the wilderness. And now they've come to Mount Sinai. And God brings Moses up on Mount Sinai to give him some information. And Moses is up there for a little while, right? He's up there for, for, for days, basically. And, and the Israelites are at the base of the mountain. And they can actually see, you know, the, the cloud of God's glory up on the mountain as Moses is meeting with God. And they're at the base of the mountain with God's glory right above them. And what happens is they get impatient. They get tired of waiting for Moses. And so what they actually do is they make an idol to kind of be their new God. And they actually throw a party for it. And while that's happening, this is literally Moses is up on the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments while the Israelites are down at the base doing this. And here's what happens between God and Moses. Exodus 32 says this. Says the Lord said to Moses, Go down, for your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshiped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff necked people. Now, therefore, leave me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them in order that I may make a great nation of you. Right? Based on what we were looking at a few minutes ago, right? God said it. It's done. His purposes aren't changing. But I want you to keep looking with me. It says this. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, Oh, Lord, why does your wrath burn against your people? whom you've brought up out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand. Why should the Egyptians say with evil intent did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by yourself, and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven. And all this land that I have promised to you, I will give to your offspring. And they shall inherit it forever. Now here's the amazing part. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. Okay, if you just caught what happened just now, we kind of need to pull a like, what? Like, a minute ago, God was the sovereign, unchanging, all-knowing ruler of the universe. And now in this passage, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but to me, it's kind of like he just pulled a reenactment of what happens with my three-year-old in our house a lot of times, right? Our three-year-old Blakely is kind of at this stage where when she gets frustrated about something, you kind of see her get mad and she kind of gets ready like she really wants to clock you, right? But she knows enough at this point that that's not a good idea. Right, so you'll see her kind of get mad and she gets this grumpy face and she's like about ready to, you know, go off and hit, hit one of us, usually her little brother, right? But she hesitates. And usually my wife, Andrea, she'll jump in and say something like, you better think about that, right? And most of the time, Blakely's kind of smart enough at this point that she kind of backs off. And if you're looking at this passage like I am, it, it really kind of seems like 
God just got mad at the Israelites. He's about to rear back and smite them. And Moses kind of steps in with the, you better think about that. And God actually responds to it and he backs off and he doesn't do it. And so we need to wrestle with what just happened in this story, especially in light of the verses that we looked at earlier, right? I mean, it's kind of like, did God forget to do his quiet time this morning? Like, is it just an off day? Like, what's going on in this passage? And more importantly, right, did Moses' prayer actually convince God to change his mind and spare the Israelites? Right, did Moses have to remind God about his promises? Like, did he forget? And Moses had to step in and remind him about what was going on? Right, here's, here's what I think is happening, right? We know God's purposes are unchanging. They're fixed. He's sovereign. He's in control. He's all-knowing. But Exodus 32 gives us another truth that we've got to hold in tension. And that truth is this, right? God's purposes are unchanging, but God's plans are still unfolding. His purposes are unchanging, but God's plans are unfolding, right? The purposes are unchanging, but the plans for how things actually play out are still in motion and they're still playing out. And I want you to remember that our goal this morning is not to bring these tensions completely together and to get our heads completely around it and resolve it, that there's gonna be some things that we don't entirely understand how they fit together. But I do wanna try to explain this a little bit more and try to, try to manage this a little bit more for us. And so, First off, I want you to know that one of the things that's ironic about this story and Moses' experience, remember, this is a real thing that happened to Moses, that one of the things that's interesting that Moses is the guy that experienced this and had this, this moment where he prayed to the God of the universe and saw God respond to him and seemingly change what he was gonna do is that Moses is the same guy that went on to write Numbers 23 that we looked at earlier where it says that God is not like a man or a son of man that he should change his mind. And what's interesting is the Hebrew word in Numbers 23 and in Exodus 32, where we're talking about changing your mind or relenting, right, is the same word in Hebrew. It's the Hebrew word Nahum, right? And so what's going on here is that it, it can mean relent, repent, change your mind, kind of any one of those things. And in fact, if, if you have different translations this morning, we could probably find each of those verses with each of the different words in there because they're kind of interchangeable. So we gotta wrestle with how can Moses say in Numbers 23 that God doesn't change his mind and then have a story where God does seem to change his mind. If you put them side by side in Hebrew, it literally says in one, God doesn't nahum, and in the other, God nahumed, Right? How do we put those two things together? And I think part of what's happening is something that, you know, in literary terms, we call anthropomorphism or personification. And so we got to kind of get our heads around this a little bit this morning. Moses is trying to describe to us something that God is doing, right? But when we talk about God and his ways aren't our ways, his thoughts aren't our thoughts, right? When you're, when you're writing about that, you kind of just have to do your best and you describe it the way you would describe how a person does something. And so what that means is that the way Moses describes it is similar to what God does, but it's not exactly the same. And the differences are important. 
And I think what's going on a little bit is this, right? When we talk about repenting or relenting or changing our mind for us, that tends to look like a U-turn, right? We were going in one direction, we were making mistakes, and then at one point we realized something else and we changed our mind. We repented, we went from bad to good and we did a U-turn and went back the other way. But the thing is, right, God isn't like us. He's not making mistakes and needing to correct him. You know, he's not biting his nails and indecision, like trying to figure out what he should do, right? God doesn't change his purpose and his plan, but the ways his plan unfolds are still playing out and they can still be changed. You see, for God, it's a little bit more like this. When we talk about God relenting or repenting or changing his mind, right? What we have to realize is that God is always moving in the same direction. But God can choose to show mercy or he can choose not to, right? It's a little bit like changing lanes. God's always moving in the same direction. His uh, his purposes don't change, but he can change how they play out, right? And what's amazing is that what Exodus 33 pretty clearly shows is that God changed his lane He changed his course based on what Moses prayed to him, based on the prayer of a person. God changed how his purpose was gonna be carried out. And so I think there's another amazing truth for us this morning that we need to get out of it. And that's this, purposeful prayers can change the path to God's purpose. Prayers with purpose have power. Right? They don't change God and they don't change his mind, but they can change us and they can change our circumstances. Right? It's, it's incredible to really think about this, that God, as the sovereign, all-knowing, all-controlling ruler of the universe, has somehow built in to the fabric of the way things work that our prayers would be a part of how it's carried out. Right? It's amazing if you really think about it. God has invited us in and our prayers make things happen that otherwise wouldn't have happened. It's not just this token little thing that like God's like, oh, we'll make you think you kind of have a part of this. Like our prayers make things happen that otherwise wouldn't have happened. But one of the keys here is this. Remember, we've got to keep in mind purposeful prayers can change the path to God's purpose. And what I mean by that is this, right? God isn't just at our beck and call. Right? We can't just pray for anything and expect God to show up. In fact, we can find story after story uh, throughout the Bible where God shows up and answers prayers. But particularly what happens usually in each one of these things is that you'll see when God responds, he says something along the lines of, for the sake of my name. And what's happening is that God is, is expressing his purpose to us, which is this, it's his glory. God is about the magnification and the revelation of his glory to his people, right? In Exodus 32, it looks a little different. We don't necessarily see, you know, I'm doing this for my glory or for the sake of my name. But if you look at what Moses really argues, he's making that same point. He says, you know, why should the Egyptians look at you badly, right? They're not gonna know that the Israelites did something to deserve to be punished. They're just gonna know, you know, Yahweh led the Israelites out of Egypt and then they all died in the wilderness. So either God intended to do something bad to them or he didn't have the power to take care of them. And so Moses prays and said, God, why should that happen? We don't want your glory to be tarnished with the Egyptians. 
And so what we see is this, is that prayers that change circumstances focused on God's glory. They focused on his purpose. So prayers aligned with the purpose of God's glory can change the path to God's purpose. So what does that mean for us this morning? Right, most of the time when we ask God for something, it's just we're, you know, we're praying because something's not the way we want it to be. We want something new. Something looks like it's going in the direction that we don't want it to go, so we're praying for it to change course. And it's not that we can't express those things to God. I'm going to talk about that in just a second. But what we should learn from this is that our focus should be on God's glory. It's on his kingdom, his purposes, his mission, because he's worthy of it. And it's incredible that we get to have full access to him and get to play a part in doing that. And so this morning, as we get ready to wrap up, here's what I want you to know. Prayer is a privilege. Don't miss out. Prayer is a privilege. Step out and jump in with the sovereign creator of the universe that somehow invites us in and asks us to play a part with him and what he's doing. Right, God has invited us to play a part in accomplishing his purpose. And that is amazing. So don't miss it. Jump in with it. Right? If you're offered the opportunity to affect the events of the universe, why on earth would we not try to pray and talk to God? Right? The sovereign ruler of the universe ordains it, that our prayers have power. And so don't miss out. And the next thing I want you to know is this. It's not a formula. Just because you pray with the right purpose doesn't mean it's going to work out. In other words, prayer is not predictable. But don't be discouraged. Right? Prayer is not predictable. So don't be discouraged. God can take either lane. Right? He can choose to show mercy or he can choose not to. He can do something that we don't really understand. Right? God can choose what's going to give him more glory. And sometimes God delivers us from our problems. And sometimes God delivers us through our problems. Right? And it's, it's sometimes it's just not predictable of what that's going to really look like. You know, even Jesus experienced what it was like to have a prayer that didn't get the answer that he wanted it to. And not just any prayer, but a prayer that he prayed in the biggest and hardest moment of his life. If you remember in the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed this just before he was betrayed and went to the cross. He said, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. And thankfully for us, Jesus's prayer didn't get the answer that he wanted, right? Jesus's prayer wasn't answered the way that he wanted in that moment, but Jesus knew it was about God's glory. And he also knew it was worth it to try and pray because God loved him and he cared for him. And so that's why he stepped out in prayer. And ultimately though, he knew that God's purpose was grander than that. And so he was prepared to receive either answer. Right as he was about to be beaten and killed for our sins, right? And those principles that God loves us and he cares for us but it's not always predictable what's gonna happen are true in the big things of life and they're true in the small things too, right? We can get a little too much on this side thinking that all our prayers need to be these grand things of, uh, you know, that are aligned with God's purpose and that should be our focus, but God does want us to pray about the little things. He says, 
uh, to us uh, through Peter. He tells us to pray and to cast all of our anxieties on him because he cares for us. He's there for us. And so as we wrap up today, here's what I wanna challenge you with. What do you need to pray to God for to be a part of his purpose? What can you right here, right now, this week, start praying to be a part of God's purpose and to take advantage of this privilege that he's given us to be part of his kingdom, right? There's a lot of things that it could be big or small. And so here's, here's a couple things that it could be. Maybe you're new to our church. We wanna let you know about a few things that you could jump in right now that you could pray about right in this moment, about taking a step and jumping into to take the next step in your relationship with God. If you're new to the faith or to our church, we've got something called Starting Point that's starting on Monday, right? It's gonna be at 6.30. You can see the details on the screen. It's, uh, I think it's an eight-week uh, class that you can get to be a part of where you can really wrestle with some of these questions. You can learn more how to pray and what it looks like to walk out this relationship with God. You know, or we also actually, we have opportunities for all of us to jump in on Wednesdays our, uh, our community center and, uh, is open that you can come in and you can pray from noon to one on Wednesdays and start pursuing this relationship with God and taking advantage of the privilege that he's given, it, given to us, right? So whatever it is, I just wanna encourage you this morning, jump in and pray because a purposeful prayer has the power to change the path to God's purpose. And that's incredible. Why would we pass it up? So here's what I wanna leave you with this morning. The writer of Hebrews says something really well that I wanna end with. Uh, and I usually use the ESV translation when we're up here, but uh, this morning the, the message translation actually puts this really well. And so I think this is a great way to wrap up this morning. Hebrews chapter four, it says this. Now that we know what we have, Jesus, this great high priest, with ready access to God, let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing. He's experienced it all, all but the sin, even prayers that weren't answered the way he wanted them to be. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, I pray this morning that you'd help us to just see you a little bit better, to hold these truths in tension, to somehow get our heads around how incredible you are, how sovereign and all-knowing and controlling you are of everything that happens down to the hairs of our head, God, but also how loving you are and how you've given us this incredible gift of freedom and relationship and that you've somehow created the universe in a way that we play a part in it, God. And we don't, we don't pretend to fully understand that, God. And I pray there wouldn't be anyone this morning that thinks that we explained it completely and doesn't understand that there's still mystery to it and to you and that you're bigger and grander than everything that we think about or can pretend to know, Lord. But I pray you draw us closer to you this morning. I pray you'd help us to get just a little more of a taste of it. God, that we'd be encouraged to want to jump into you with prayer, even though there's a risk, we're not going to get it answered the way we want to. But knowing that you want to answer, Lord, that you do love us and that you care for us. 
and that you want us to get involved in your purpose. So this morning, God, I pray that if there's people in here who haven't stepped out in a relationship with you, Lord, that don't know what it's like to be able to talk to the God of the universe, God, I pray that you'd help them to come to know you, Lord, and to take that step of reaching out to you, Lord. I pray maybe even right now, they'd they just give it a try to pray to you. To say, God, if you're there, if you can hear me, Lord, I pray you'd show up. Reveal yourself to me. Help me to know you. God, I pray for those of us that are walking with you, Lord, that you take our prayers further, God, that you would, God, completely align not just our prayers, but our lives with your mission and with your purpose, Lord, that we'd be on fire for what you're doing, God, and that we would focus on you far above this world and our jobs and our riches and the things that can distract us, God, but that in all those things, we'd seek you first and we'd pray for it, God, and I pray that we would pray boldly, knowing that we have access to you. God, help us to draw close to you this morning. Help us to love you more. We need you so much, Father. We're so thankful that Jesus has bought the opportunity for the relationships that we can have with you, Lord. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your love, Lord. You're wonderful. You're beautiful, God. You're amazing. And we love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray all these things, Lord. Amen.